A sixth generation cattle ranch is donating a cow to a sanctuary. Another seventh generation cattle ranch is going vegan. We're gonna talk about this and much, much more. Today in Two Rowdy Vegans, we have a lot of things that we just unpacked in this episode. It's incredible. We have Dr. Silas Rao, who was instrumental in creating the internet as we know it today, as a key player in our movement, executive producer of movies like Cowspiracy and What the Health, which have transformed more people than ah. any other piece of media that I know personally. Uh, so we have a lot of really cool things in store. We went on many tangents, really important things that I believe you're gonna really enjoy. It's gonna support you in becoming the best advocate that you can be for the animals, for this world, and transforming this world. It's gonna be incredible. So anyways, log in and enjoy because this is a really, really special episode of... The Two Rowdy... The Two Rowdy... Vegans! Two, two, two rowdy vegans. 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 Two, two rowdy vegans. One plus one equals two rowdy vegans. And you know what's really interesting about Dr. Salish is, you know, he has all this amazing background and you can introduce him like this and it sounds like you might be blowing smoke up somebody's, you know what, but it's for real. And his humility just is overwhelming. And so here he is. Yeah, and so to kind of introduce people uh, to who you are, I would love it if you could tell us your story, uh, how you got here. Perhaps like start with, I mean, however, however you want to tell it, but uh, maybe, you know, briefly touch upon what you did with the internet back then so people can understand kind of like yeah. who you were back then and the, the, the part that you played in creating that, uh, and then your place in the vegan movement today. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for that kind introduction, really. Uh, I'm a system scientist. I was, I came to this country in 1981 to do my graduate studies. And then I started working on uh, video signal processing and signal processing with the digital signal processing uh, at Bell Labs. And, and then the internet was a small thing at that time. Nobody really knew what it was. And there was even an article in Newsweek in 1995 saying the internet is going nowhere. You know, who's going to read things on the internet? Who's going to buy things off the internet? It's going nowhere. And basically, you know, uh, the backbone of the internet was still analog at that time. It was just, uh, you know, sending digital signals, but sending digital signals as one and zero, one and zero, which is a very analog way of sending it. And what I... Uh, came when I came to the standards committee at that time and I told them, you know, you can actually use these digital signal processing technologies so instead of doing one and zero, you can actually do multiple levels, you can do lots of, uh, you know, I'm going to interrupt you for a minute. I'm going to interrupt, you know why I'm going to interrupt you, Dr. Yeah. Salish? Because I'm sitting here going <laughs> Sorry. What? Oh my God! I mean, your mind, it just blows me away, the mind you have. And, and so if you could say everything you're saying right now right. in such a way where I could understand. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> I mean, like uh, a first grader or, or maybe because first graders need to understand this, right? What's going on, right? Right. So it's actually, a, you know, I mean, to me, everything is a system. Everything's everything a is system. a system. You know, yeah. whether you're sending signals across wires or you're, you're building a new civilization, you know, that's a system that you're changing. Okay. Right? And so it, there are things that you can bring into a system design that people are not aware of because they, are, they have been so stuck in what they have been doing. Right? Then you say, hey, if you look at it from a 10,000-foot perspective, you see what you're doing here is really inefficient. Here is something else you could be doing instead that's much, much better. Yeah. And that would just make this whole thing just you know, flourish. So that's what happened in the Internet. 
like you know what's really interesting is what you could do different you know because our system may be on our entire freaking planet right. is broke it's it's not only broke it's it's <laughs> not broke it is it's, what is it tell me it's what it is it's so inefficient and it's so mired in in the past culture and traditions that we have just carried along and you know in fact Donella Meadows who's a system scientist from MIT she wrote a book called a limits to growth where she said 99% of human activities today are completely unnecessary and wasteful 90% 99% of human 99% of human activities today are completely unnecessary and wasteful Did you hear that humans 99% <laughs> of our activities are absolutely non-essential <laughs> not essential meaning you know it, and wasteful i think that's important yeah. because unnecessary is fine but when it's wasteful that we should question things right it's a little bit like what you discussed last week right uh, uh, with connie uh, basically we are growing animals and then killing them and then burying their flesh somewhere right uh, i mean and getting paid for it chilling right? chilling so this killing. is this is wasteful activity right or f- taking growing all this plant foods feeding it to animals and then killing them and trying to eat that so that's completely wasteful activity because it's 40 times as much food is going into the animals than we're getting out of them right and then we're wasting all these lives right. that are actually starving because we're feeding all these animals to people right. so all these people that are starving we're wasting their lives Absolutely. their minds it's not just that you know you look at like an iphone for instance you know i mean we designed it in a way that you can't even replace the battery right so when the battery dies you pretty much replace the iphone now everything in that iphone is still working so meaning you know is is unnecessary it's unnecessary to go rebuild all that because there's so much material that you have to use right. up right apple get that dude i mean it's this is <laughs> this is just it's just an example but i'm saying it's it's full of this right Our system is yeah. full of this, right? Yeah. So how did you first come to realize this? What's what's your story in the vegan movement specifically? So the vegan movement I got into it actually through the environment, you know. I was uh I was I mean I was doing uh, the internet work and I was doing 10 gigabit ethernet at that time and I happened to come home one day and I saw Al Gore's presentation on TV and I was so shocked. I said if half of what he's saying is true, what am I doing? I mean I shouldn't be working on this I should be working on that. In fact everybody should be working on that because that is such an important problem. And those of you that don't know Al Gore, Al Gore is the former vice president of the US and he's uh he talks about climate change and global warming. So he started something called the Climate Reality Project where he's trying to educate people about climate change. And so I wrote to him and I said how can I help you, you know because I I I studied the problem and I realized it's far worse than what he's saying actually. Did you email him? How, how did you get in touch with him? I wrote him a letter. A Those hand, were the days. A handwritten letter. Okay, cuz I was wondering if you used the digital signal processing to get in touch with him. Whatever. That's, that's I wrote right. you a letter. Remember that song? Right. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. You know that one? I don't. Ain't got time to take a fast train. Right. I know. I you know, know that song. Oh, I wrote him a letter. Okay, so you wrote him a letter. You know me, right? Everything's a song. Yeah. Okay. I wrote him a letter because I didn't have his email address. I had his address, physical address. You actually wrote him a letter, put a stamp on it and mailed it. Right, I mailed it. And for 6 months nothing happened. I didn't get a reply. Oh my god. Then I got a letter back saying, "Would you like to come and get trained?" Yeah, by Al Gore. And so I said, "Sure." So I went to Nashville. I got trained by him. I was part of 200 others, 200 people who got trained by him in Nashville. And he basically taught us how to present how to give his presentation and and i realized that he wasn't telling the whole story because he only talks about 
the energy aspect of it he doesn't talk about all the other aspects because essentially it's a lifestyle issue right you see when the un uh, met in 1992 to talk about the environment they identified three major problems they identified biodiversity loss ecosystems collapse and then climate change biodiversity loss they they formed conventions to address all of them each of them right now the convention on biological diversity uh, was signed in 1993 when al gore was vice president and clinton was president and do you know what is the which is the only country that hasn't signed that convention on biological diversity let me guess let me guess starts with a u u n i T E D S T A U N I T E D S T A T E S United States. Jeez, we're so slow. It's uh, it's like we are scared to tackle the problem, right? So I said we are scared. It looks like we are scared to tackle the problem. So he doesn't talk about that at all. So he only talks about climate change, which sort of, you know, it sort of puts like a. Um, It's like you're looking at it through a microscope, right? right? And you're looking you're not looking at the big problem, right? right? What were the causes that the UN identified back then? There are three ones. Uh, the biodiversity loss. Right. No, the causes they didn't say what the causes oh, okay. were. Oh, okay. See, yeah. but you realize that the causes were our lifestyle. You know? The causes were our lifestyle. Our lifestyle. So and then President George H.W. Bush went to uh, Rio de Janeiro and he said the American way of life is not negotiable. George Bush The one that just passed away. Yeah, he said, said that. Said that the American way of life is It's not, not negotiable. negotiable. But the problem is, nature does not negotiate. Nature is just, you know, is physics, chemistry. Is, I call it, you know, inspector physics, captain chemistry, you know, and lieutenant logic, and commissioner biology. They're applying the law. Tell me that again. Say that one more time. <laughs> commissioner biology. Yeah, commissioner biology, captain chemistry. Captain L- chemistry. Are you like Blitten. making a joke? I'm making. I'm saying that science. Captain chemistry. <laughs> That's a new superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector physics, right? And lieutenant logic. I mean, these guys are everywhere. Lieutenant logic. <laughs> they, these guys are everywhere, and they're applying their laws everywhere. And right? they're not working. And meaning, you know. No matter you can say I don't want to negotiate. They don't negotiate. They just apply the laws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? God. So, so we are so we are seeing the effects of that, right? So this is the the reaction of nature to all of our lifestyle is really climate change. And so we have an announcement. Dr. Salash Rao will be running for the president of the United States. No, just kidding, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> no, 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 see, none of this works from a top-down approach that Redundant. we have. Right, that's exactly no, the point. Yeah. So, our, the problem is our lifestyle. So how, where is the problem? How does it how do we like fix this system? So if it's at the bottom up? It's well, a, it's 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 a grassroots issue. Okay? It's basically each one of us has to I mean, it's basically saying how do we organize ourselves in a way as humanity? that an ordinary person leads their ordinary life and the planet thrives right okay and how did you bring that to al gore's attention because i know that that's what that's what you did and then stuff went down so so what happened there so i i, I asked questions i in fact at the first meeting itself when i was being trained i asked him a question and he basically turned to roy neal his chief of staff and he said how did this guy get in there <laughs> he shouldn't be in here. Asking too many questions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Basically what they are trying to do is to frame it as a climate change only issue, okay? And when you frame it as a climate change only issue, we are all stuck 
we cannot do anything about it because it's all about fossil fuels only, right? right? Yeah. So you frame it as a fossil fuel only issue. Sure. Right? So then there's this fake wrestling match that happens between the Republicans and the Democrats as to whether they it can do fake. something. It is fake. It's a fake one, right? And they all know. They're pretending to fight. Yeah, they are. They're like in the back, in the green room back there going, hey, you think they won that? You think they believe that? Ha, come on, let's go up there and do it again. Shake, and then they go out there and act like they're enemies, come back in the back room, and they have a drink together. <laughs> right. Right. They so do. It's the biggest show on earth. Yeah, they're creating a show for us so that it looks like they're trying to do something, but nothing is happening, right? Yeah. And, and then we're all going to die. So it's like, you know, making sure that the Yemenis die first, the Syrians die first. You know, it's like making other people, the Hondurans. So what did you just say? And, so, and, and they know everybody's going to die. They think that that's the only way out because, you know, for them, they see that there are too, they think there are too many people. So the only way that to, to get rid of the people is to create this illusion of having a system that is over here taking care of us, i.e. the government, and what they're really doing is killing us. What they're really doing, if you think about it, what are they really doing? They know, they know that processed meat is a group one carcinogen. They know that, they right? They know it. And what are they feeding our children? That was announced by the World Health Organization. Yeah. Probably. Right, right. It was announced by the World Health Organization, but World Health Organization was basically looking at papers that were already there. You know, this has been known since the 70s and it's the 80s. It's diabolical. So they, are, they know this and they're still feeding it to our children. Yeah, what I really loved is the other day when I saw, I think it was on your climate healers facebook page this child smoking a cigarette right and what was it was that what was that that, that was, was actually nation rising nation in Can- rising in yeah. canada they went to a toronto school board meeting and they said this is really what you're doing to our kids right when you feed them a processed meat it's as if you're giving them cigarettes it was a seven-year-old i don't know if y'all saw it out there but he was it looked like he was actually smoking a cigarette and yet, you know, eating a hot dog. Right. As if, you know, the hot, there's something wrong with the, the hot dog, but uh, there's something wrong with the cigarette and nothing wrong with the hot dog. Right. I'm better talk loud because there's somebody going over that way. Right. Yeah. So basically, you know, uh, it, it's bringing it to their attention that we know, that we are now aware that this is what you've been doing to us. Right? That's what they've been doing to us because it, there is a famous saying by Mark Twain. By who? Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Mark Twain said... What gets us into trouble is not what we don't know, but what we know for sure that is not true. Well, we know for sure that's not true. Mark Twain. So what gets that us just in tr- isn't true. So what gets us in trouble is not what we don't, don't know, know but what, what we know for sure that just isn't true. What we know, like, yeah, like eating animals. Right. You know, uh, like drinking, you know, you know, the excretions from a cow, knowing that babies are ripped from them and killed. And, you know, this is right. and, and knowing that cows are raped. I mean, we know these things, people. I mean, if you're out there and you're listening and you are eating or consuming the excretions of an animal, you know, that's wrong. So that's the kind of thing you're talking about. No, I'm talking about things like uh, protein only comes from meat. Yeah. This okay. is something that they teach you, right? They do. Protein only comes from meat. They do. And... That is actually like a fall in the flat earth. That's a flat earth society. When you they belong even to that. They think you can die from not having protein. Right. Not having meat. Not, it's not having protein. Yeah. See, they associate protein with meat. With meat, yeah. And so they create this protein meat society. I call it a protein meat society. That's now like 90% of the people on the planet belong to this society. But that society is like the flat earth society. Meaning it's not true. Right. 
And just to interject for a second, it doesn't mean that the people who believe this are stupid. Yeah. I was reading I was reading exactly about this topic in a book called All Marketers Are Storytellers by Seth Godin. And in that book, he opens by telling a story about a wine glass company hmm. that basically sells wine glasses and glasses for all sorts of beverages. And the story they tell, because the book is all about the stories that we tell ourselves and how that shapes our behavior. Right. And the story that that particular company tells is that the shape of your glass is going to drastically affect the quality of the beverage. So if you have a glass in the right shape, your wine is going to taste exponentially better. And what's interesting is that although, if, if you think about it from a common sense perspective, <laughs> wow. this cannot be true. Right. And double-blind scientific tests have proven that this is not true. Yeah. That being the case, wine experts around the world will swear that this particular glass makes their wine taste better. <laughs> wow! Because, because they buy into the story. Right. And what's important to understand here is that, again, it's not that they're stupid, it's that as human beings, we gravitate towards stories, and when we tell ourselves a story, it's going to be true because we want it to be true. Right. Like, it's the same debate, like, does Coca-Cola taste better than Pepsi? Well, maybe, but the main reason it does is because if we prefer Coke, then it's going to taste better because we want it to. Right. So I think it's important to understand that that's just how humans work, and if you study things like marketing or psychology, you'll see that that's how people operate. Yes. That but is so see, true. That is true. But you see, when the stories we tell ourselves that we buy into are really false stories, we end up doing things that is against our nature. See, yes. our true nature is compassion. Exactly. This is who we really are, right? Like, you know, if you ask anyone, you know, would you deliberately hurt an innocent animal unnecessarily? No. You know, everyone will say no. Right? The only, per- in fact, even the people who are psychopaths would say no because they want, they don't want to tell you that. They will hurt, right? Yeah, and that just kind of like brings me, you know, to what we've been doing the last twenty-four hours. I mean, these people that are, you know, a lot of people think cattle ranchers are just horrible people. You know, no, they, uh, they think that they're that they're uh, that they don't that they're insensitive, that they don't love animals, uh, and you know. My husband, Tommy, you know, used to be a cattle rancher. I used to watch him, uh, you know, right. send our animals to the cell barn. My husband's the most compassionate man I know uh, towards animals, you know. But cattle ranchers have to shut down that part of their brain. Exactly. Because we've been taught that we have to when we put those animals in a truck and send them to market. We're taught that we have to shut down that part of our brain. It's not that we don't love animals. It's just that we can't feel that, you know. Yeah, and for the mainstream people it's very easy to point fingers at what they see because when we see something it's very easy to be like this is wrong for example people will point to hunters and be like they're horrible people because they're killing animals or they'll point to uh like if a video pops up on your facebook feed and it goes viral and say it's talking about orangutans and palm oil they'll be like this is horrible we should cut out palm oil because they see that but as soon as something is outside the blinders that we basically operate on which by the way is not actually a bad thing it it also helps us survive in many ways but as soon as something is outside of that it's very easy for us to not see that because although people might see people like cattle ranchers or say people in slaughterhouses and be like wow those people are really horrible what they're not seeing is that by them buying animal products they're just as much complicit in the system there's actually no difference the only difference is in the conscience of that person. It's actually more complicit. See, we, are, we tend to be more complicit when we buy something, when we pay for something. So we're causing it. Because we are ordering for that to happen. We're ordering it. We're, we're ordering, ordering the hit. That. We're, we're ordering, ordering the, the hit. Yeah, we're ordering the hit. Yeah. So we yeah. are more, com- in fact, for everything, like, you know, when you buy something like an electronic uh, good, you're actually ordering someone to be hurt in Congo, in the Congo, because Congo is where they mine most of the minerals that come into this, right? 
I know we got a lot to talk about too, so I wanted to just kind of ask you for a minute how, you know, because obviously a lot of you out there are, um, are, are maybe wondering, you know, because we talked about these cattle ranchers, right, that we uh, have been talking to yesterday, and how does all this tie in? So, do you think this might be a good time to talk about that, or was there something yeah. else you wanted to, to ask Dr. Rao about this? No, I, I, th I think that's a good time. I think the last thing that I kind of want you to touch upon is uh, this idea, because you have a project, uh, I think that's very compelling, that ties into what, you, what we want to talk yes. about very beautifully, the, the project of creating a vegan world by 2026. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, the, the, I mean, the project is its basically a statement of necessity. That's what the project is. Exactly. We have to have a vegan world by 2026. Otherwise, we are all in big, big trouble. Okay? And those of you that don't know, if you go to climatehealers.org, and right. also, uh, is, do you have Pre another website? Preventyearzero.org. Preventyearzero.org. You can read all about it, learn all about it, and a group of us, including Jane, Velez Mitchell, uh, Donna, and a bunch of us others, we went to Costa Rica with Salesh, and we actually wrote the Declaration dec dec Awakening to Survival. Awakening to Survival Declaration. We spent, you know, 48 hours hashing out what it would be like to actually write that declaration. So we did that, and then we ended up at uh, in Arizona right. just uh, a month or so ago, and you were there along with Jane and others. And we actually uh, we're, are figuring out together how to make that happen. So what's next around creating the Vegan World 2026? So we, uh, what we did in Arizona was we came up with a whole list of questions as to how does that vegan world look like. And we started working on some of those important questions. And now what we have to do is to create a framework around which all the answers to these questions have to fit. Framework around of compassion, you know. What are the basic axioms of this new way of living, right? Yeah, so we need to right. we need to do that framework. It was next. so amazing, actually. You know, uh, I I processed that experience. I don't know how you did with all that, but I processed that experience. You know, for for weeks. Mm. It seems like I'm still processing it. It was uh, it was such a phenomenal um, um, experience. It, it it went in very deep. You know, I really do believe that we have many windows to our soul, many doors, many veils, mm. and so much conditioning is, is, has caused us to shut down parts of us, uh, to not be willing or capable of going in door number one, maybe, or door number 50, right. uh, which behind that door, that window may be the exact answer you need. And what I saw in this, uh, in this experiment, this uh, workshop, right. was an ability to go through doors, through windows, through veils, that you never knew you could go in before because you were given permission. Right. Yeah, what I loved about that specifically was how, you know, the way that you approach this whole thing is, is essentially, in a way of looking at it, it's a problem-solving frame. Mm -hmm. Where, instead of seeing, because many people will look at this whole thing and look at everything that's happening in the world and be like, that's so horrible. I wish for a better world. I hope for a better world. Maybe some days, someday things will be better. And mostly, I, the place that I see that coming from is, well, things are probably never going to change. I'm right. going to do what I can, but things are probably never going to change. Right. Instead, what you're saying is, hey, let's look at the problem for what it is. Let's identify the questions that we have to ask ourselves in order to solve them. I mean, the, the, the quality of our actions, the quality of our life, basically, is predicated upon the quality of questions that we ask ourselves. Exactly. Right. Let's ask good questions. Uh, instead of complaining about the problem, let's ask good questions. And let's solve the problem step by step. Right. So I, I love that mindset because, I mean, if we don't do that, then I, I don't see how we're going to solve this problem. And I also right. think it, it gives it a really realistic 
uh, view were, were for me, I was like, okay, you know, this really makes sense. If we approach it from this perspective, then it really makes sense. So uh, to transition into uh, the topic, you know, because one of the big questions that a lot of people have is, okay, if we're going to have a vegan world, what are we going to do with all the people who are working in the animal agriculture industry? Yes. Um, some people use this as an excuse to not go vegan because they're like, so many people are going to be out of jobs, etc., uh, etc. Et right. And one thing that's been incredible hanging out with Renee and being at Rowdy Girl Sanctuary is your rancher's advocacy program, which now as we're seeing has potential to expand beyond anything that I ever imagined. Um, but this is a program that's transitioning cow ranches into vegan businesses, um, which is essentially solving that problem of right. what are we going to do with those people. Uh, and now yesterday we had many incredible <laughs> things happen. Um, maybe we can touch on it, but part of it was uh, the sixth generation cattle rancher who completely opened up, had no idea what we were about, had no idea what Rowdy Girl he was never, about. He never even, didn't even know me and Tommy's story. Right, he didn't even know the story. He was a cattle rancher, and now, after having talked to him, we're, we're, we're pretty sure he's going to go vegan. Um, this other chicken farmer who used to process 100,000 chickens every 52 days Mind going blowing. vegan. Right. Saving 100,000 chickens every 52 days. That's insanity. That is just... That's uh, insanity. The world is changing, for calling, real. Calling Renee on the phone yesterday to talk about how they're going to transition and what they're going to do with the 200 cows that they have on their property. Um, so these are real things that are, that are happening right now, which really more than gives me hope, it gives me proof that change is happening in the world. When I see things like that, I'm like, change is pretty much happening. You can't really deny it. Right. Uh, when you see more and more people like that opening up. So... Um, yeah, so, so what, was, what was your experience? Like, what would you like to share about that? Well, what was interesting is uh, when Cindy, Cindy's the cattle rancher's wife, uh, Richard is the cattle rancher, that, uh, they live in Huntsville, Texas, and when Cindy contacted me uh, about Honey, Honey's a 10-year-old, lame, pregnant cow that was going to be sent to slaughter, and I'm in my bed, uh, just, you know, taking a nap or something, uh, which I rarely do, but I happen to be in my bed, and when she contacted me and I answered the phone and I was, uh, no, what happened was she had called, I couldn't talk to her and my assistant had given me her number and I called her when I was in the bed and she answered the phone and we talked about honey and I started asking her questions mm -hmm. and she started crying. Um, you know, what I'm, what I'm realizing more and more as, uh, as a former, you know, rancher's wife, uh, of course I'm still married to Tommy is I'm realizing more and more that ranchers are really wanting to do something different. Yeah. They don't know what to do. And Cindy obviously uh, did not want Honey to go to slaughter uh, pregnant. And what she didn't tell me was that Honey also had a five-month-old baby. Now, if you're eating animals, you don't call them five-month-old babies. Uh, my mother, if I call uh, you know, a cow's baby a baby or a child, she goes, Renee, they're not a child. Oh, they're five months old. They're not a child. They're not a baby. What are they then? Well, they're just a calf, you know? So, no, they're, they're, this is a five-month-old child that this cow had, and she was going to be left behind. Well, yesterday, when we went to this cattle ranch, uh, Rancher Richard didn't know what, was, what had hit him. He just had agreed to let his wife find a home for honey because this rancher's wife, who's not vegan, by the way, yet, um, you know, through such a, a big fit, kind of like I did with, with Tommy about the cows going to slaughter. She threw a big fit. And so he gave her, he gave her uh, permission. He was going to make her buy honey. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I didn't know he was. Possible. He was going to make her buy honey. And then he changed his mind. And for her birthday, I think it was, he decided to go ahead and let her have 
the cow. Okay. <laughs> and the That's pregnant so baby awesome. inside her. <laughs> oh, but at first he wanted, actually, this is really the truth. At first he wanted to be able to go, come and pick up the baby after Honey had her baby and take it back. <laughs> it was like, no, that ain't happening. Well, she was skeptical too. He was skeptical. He actually thought, well, are they going to really come and take Honey and, 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 and take her to a sanctuary? Yeah, right. They're going to really uh, pick up Honey and take her to a slaughterhouse or a cell barn or right, something. Right, right. Thinking we were, you know, going to do something like that. He didn't know. And so, anyway, uh, what we what we set up in the in the um, in the forecast of all this, and the reason why you're sitting here, and Ryuji flew from France to Rowdy Girl, uh, was it yesterday or day before yesterday? Pretty much. <laughs> the reason why we're doing all this is because Cindy called, and um, needed a home for Honey, and because Honey because. We actually found another sanctuary, uh, Rejoice Ranch, that was going to take honey, but something happened in their life. They couldn't do it. And so I contacted Star Love Ranch, which is a seventh generation deep cattle ranch operation that is now vegan. Chew on that for a minute. It's, 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 it's actually vegan. It's, an, it's a vegan chew. Chew on another seventh generation cattle ranch operation in Giddings, Texas. This operation is now vegan. These cows are saved. They need money desperately. They're trying to, to become a cattle ranch too. This is actually the Rancher's Advocacy Program's first documented transition. And now she agreed, having no money, having no no, no way to really support, you know, the, I mean, I think her husband does DJ. You know, at first, I mean, I didn't call them at first because I knew they were struggling. And I thought, you know, uh, not, you know, I didn't, but I didn't know what else to do because I didn't want to see this cow and her baby go to slaughter. Right. And I knew Rowdy Girl Sanctuary couldn't take them. We've been inundated with floods two years in a row. This year has been unprecedented as far as rainy seasons go. You can't even buy hay in our area. I knew that if we took Honey and her baby, there would be, it would be not a good thing to do because it's just, our cows are on 30 acres of our 96 acres right now because it's so muddy. It's unbelievable. And so we're trying to move, which is why we're in Austin right now looking at land uh, to try to move the entire Rowdy Girl Sanctuary operation. So there's a lot of moving parts here, you know, so that the Rancher Advocacy Program can do what it needs to do to help to get her to a vegan world by 2026. So Holly and Davey agreed to take honey, her, uh, pregnant honey, lame honey, uh, and her five-month-old baby, which Rancher Richard gave up on the final moment when we were getting ready to leave. Right when we were getting ready to leave yesterday, he agreed to let us have, and I didn't even know there was a five-month-old ginger. And so, two and a half hours we spent talking to Rancher Richard and his wife, Cindy. And we had no idea that we were about to witness the first cattle rancher intervention and just so happened Ryuji had his camera ready to go and recorded every bit of it so we didn't know that we were getting ready to become documentarians because that's what we're going to do we're going to I mean we got to we got to get an editing equipment we got to document this we're ready to get lights we're ready to get a drone I mean we're like oh my god we just got this footage you know it's unbelievable footage of his cattle rancher and his wife going vegan they're not vegan yet, but the text I got this morning, this morning, was that she's ready to get involved in this movement, and she feels like her husband is right on her heels, and they're going to come to Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, and we're going to feed them Beyond Meat burgers <laughs> and vegan barbecue, 
you know, <laughs> we're gonna do this. And so, and so Starlove Ranch, in the middle of the night, took Honey and her baby, and we were there. And if we'd have had the lights, we could have documented even that. But we weren't planning on being there late at night. We were planning on being there in the middle of the day yesterday. We drove all the way out there. Tommy, bless his heart, all of us really, but Tommy in the mud, trying to figure out where we were gonna put Honey and the baby, you know, because it had rained all day yesterday. I, I mean, just torrential rain. And so we got them settled. And now here we are. And in the midst of all that, this chicken farmer calls, okay? I mean, I, I can hardly wrap my brain around the letter this chicken farmer sent me this morning uh, because she just uh, filled out the rancher intake form on our rancher advocacy program website area. So because she wants help, you know, they by December 15th, they, they need 600 round bells, uh, 600 because they have 200 cows there now they don't want to kill, they don't want to slaughter. And, you know, I don't want them to slaughter them either. We got to figure out a way to help these people, you know. Reach up. Anybody out there, you know how to get hay to these people in Arkansas? We got to get them hay. Do you have money? We got to get them money. I mean, the most critical piece of this whole, of me talking right now, is, 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 is stopping the bleed. If you're, if you're a surgeon, the first thing you have to do is stop the, the bleed, the major artery, so they don't die, right? Mm -hmm. We've got to set, this is the major artery bleeding right now, is this chicken farmer with 200 cows that she doesn't want to see slaughtered, we need to see them get some hay, you know? Yeah, we need to see Starlove transitioned. We need to do this fundraiser, but the most important critical piece is this chicken farm. Just to like recap what happened yesterday, we showed up to this sixth generation cattle ranch to get a pregnant cow. We left there with the cow, her baby, and well, her already born baby, Ginger, uh, to go to Starlove which is a seventh generation cattle ranch gone vegan. Now, when we left the first cattle ranch, that cattle ranch was basically about to go vegan. And while this is all happening, a chicken farmer who's processing 100,000 chickens every 52 days has gone vegan and is seeking help to basically become, not basically, that's exactly what they're doing, to become a vegan business. A mushroom farm. So this, mushroom. Is, this is all what happened with these days. So like I said, change is happening change is happening it actually right. is right. so uh, to your point right it's not broken no it's not broken you know i just i just want you to know that i just went through a window because it's not broken we know what the freaking heck to do right. it's a matter of getting out of our own way you know we have to get out of our own way and and be willing to go through that other chamber that other door behind that other <laughs> veil that we've been so not allowing ourselves to go through you know we have to do this we are at the precipice of, uh, of of a very very critical time in history it's actually about storytelling again you yeah know? so so the way we I tell the story is that uh, we have been doing something essential for nature for the last 12,000 years what we did in the last 12,000 years is that we kept the temperature of the earth constant we prevented the earth from ever going back to another ice age it would have gone back to another ice age 6,000 years ago if we hadn't been there. But Absolutely. we went around destroying forests, putting all the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere in the process, and kept the temperature constant. And then in the last 200 years, we found fossil fuels, and using that, we developed all the tools and technologies we need to understand what we did in the first 12,000 years, and now become the thermostat species for the planet for the rest of eternity, okay? 
without having to deforest. I, you know, you, I've heard you do this uh, lecture where you, you drive this point home. I bet I've heard it four or five times and you, and you keep repeating it. And it's like, every time you, you repeat it, I'm like, God, you know, you can actually make a good, happy ending from something so tragic. Right. You know, yeah. something as tragic as us destroying our thinking we're destroying the planet, right? We think we're destroying the planet. Right. We think we are, but we're really not because what we've really been doing is keeping the temperature high so that we didn't go into an ice age. What? <laughs> well, that's true, though. We think about it. It is true. If you look back at the past, that's what we did, right? So if you look at, so basically everything that seems destructive at one level is actually has a positive, uh, positive connotation at another level. This is true of nature. Of course Everything in nature is like that, right? So I'm saying we are also part of nature. So we have been doing something that looks destructive at this level, but it had this positive uh, you know, purpose in the background. And now we have to recognize that positive purpose and change. So tell people we are, really, we are coming home to who we really are. So it's about getting to a, a world of normalized nonviolence from the world of normalized violence exactly. that we have created, right? Because we are nonviolent by nature this is who we are we are compassionate by nature so it's getting coming home to who we really are so everyone is going to do that in their own way but we need to create the 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 scaffolding of the civilization that would allow that to happen and that's what the vegan world 2026 project is about creating the scaffolding and and the and the rules that we would live by in a world of normalized non-violence what does that look like right because you know i was telling my husband and and, and you heard me too talk about this uh, you know, me and Tommy and Ryuji in a small uh, hotel last night. I mean, I mean, you know, can you imagine we're just like in this hotel? And so Ryuji's over here barely waking up, and uh, I'm over here just like crying my eyes out after reading this letter that this chicken farmer sent me. I just like, oh my god! And then I realized that it's like Rumpelstiltskin. You know the fairy tale <laughs> where Rumpelstiltskin falls asleep and he wakes up these thousands of years later, and it's as if he was just asleep one day. Uh, Rip Van Winkle. Huh? Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. Right. He wakes up and he's <laughs> like, oh, this has happened. Where the <laughs> hell have I been? Right. That's what happened when I went vegan. It's like, what? Isn't that the way it is? Right. Yeah. So, but that's the exercise we are doing. We were doing at the Vegan World 2026 conference is imagining that you wake up in the vegan world and so what does it look like, you know? Then you ask the question. See, with questions, you are able to tap into the collective intelligence of the group as opposed to one person coming up with all the answers yeah. because one person doesn't have all the answers. I believe that. And then, and, and then to that point yesterday, you, you witnessed it. When, when we finally got to a place where this cattle rancher was crying and actually, actually saying out loud, I, you know, I'm a hypocrite if I am uh, saying that I'm an environmentalist and I'm killing cows. Right. He said that. Wow. That's okay? amazing. And I went over and gave him a hug. I mean, I had to, like, hug him. And I was like, what did you just say? Hmm. And, and, and I said, do you know who else says that? <laughs> he said, no. I said, Howard Lyman. Uh -huh. Howard Lyman also says that you cannot be an environmentalist and eat meat. It's impossible. You know, and, and he said, I think I've heard that story somewhere. And so then we started to talk about Howard Lyman's story, and he had heard that story. He had heard that somewhere and didn't even know who said it. So here's a man, a sixth-generation cattleman, just said that, and then on the, on, the, on the edge of that, that awakening, that moment that he, had, that he had, I asked him a very important question. 
Remember what that question was? You asked a many important questions. Yeah, the one <laughs> important, the one important about. question that I said, I said to him, I said, so what if you could change? What if you could 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 save these cows and right. never have to send another one to slaughter? And do you know he looked at me and he was like, I, how would we do that? I said, but but the question is, what if you could? Would you? Mm -hmm. What was his answer? Yeah. Yes. He just don't know how. Yes. See, that's. Like, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I know how to do it, but she was all about it. The right. Ranchers Advocacy Program is committed, y'all, to getting the solutions for these ranchers that are crying desperately. And I know I may seem animated, but let me tell you why. I this has kept me up all night. I couldn't even sleep last night. I I literally woke up at five o'clock wondering if Holly had the cattle cubes. Uh, that we were supposed to bring her. I was so worried about that. And I was so worried about the fact that we got there so late last night that I didn't even get to, you know, adequately, you know, interview Holly like I wanted to do. Holly's an amazing being that's, you know, got these twins and I, and her husband and turning this freaking cattle ranch around that's been in their family for seven generations. I mean, I didn't get a chance to do that. So I woke up. I don't know if I ever went to sleep, you know? And so, but and asking these questions, I, I, I sat there last night, and this is what Jane, Jane Velez Mitchell told me, because I told her about it. She, I think, was, maybe it was Sean Munson. I don't know if I, it was Sean Munson I talked to, or Jane, or I called Kip Anderson too, but he never called me back. He's going to though, he said he would. But some one of those, it was, I think it was, was somebody, said, you know, Renee, what you really are doing is you are what your story you and tommy together especially because tommy was with me for the first time yesterday that we have ever been out together like so like together because normally one or the one or one of him one of us has to be at the sanctuary we don't leave together so we have these amazing employees taking care of the place that we were able to come out together and so grateful tommy was able to be there when this rancher was changing because he right. really related to Tommy. Right. And he and, and 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 so and then there I was with the rancher's wife. And so and he even said at one point, "Are y'all did y'all decide to just conspire against me?" And what <laughs> what did he Is this a setup? Is this a setup? Because he couldn't believe. He said, "I can't even believe I, I can't believe I'm opening up to y'all and telling y'all all this." Right. I mean, for the sake of what he told us was so freaking amazing. I couldn't believe the story he told us. This man's story will blow, he blows our story out of the water to me. I mean, honestly, if this man, when this man goes vegan and his wife, their story is gonna rocket the foundation of this planet. I, I affirm that because I believe it with all my heart. And by the way, we're also gonna share all this with you. So all the conversations that Renee has been talking about, uh, like she said, we recorded it on film. So we're gonna share this with you. Uh, whether it be on the podcast, on the video, we're going to share this. So you're going to be able to see all of this, not just hear about it, but actually hear it firsthand, which is going to be incredible. Yeah, because Vegan World 2026 is right around the corner, y'all. If you ain't doing something, why the heck not? You know, why aren't you, you know, out there interviewing the next person that's going to change the world? You need to be doing this. You need to be getting it out there on social media. You know, at the Animal Rights Conference in 2015, uh, Jane, you know, was just forcing this down my throat, you know, the importance of social media and how we have to get these stories out there. Have to, we have to be willing to not just be vegan. We have to be animal rights activists getting these stories out there because the world needs us right now. 
You know, right. people need to hear uh, these yeah. stories. And I know that one part of the purpose of what we're doing here today in this particular interview is that uh, you wanted to ask Silesh some questions about what we experienced yesterday and see kind of how he could like guide us or support us yeah, uh, through, like, thank sh- you. through like sharing this. So I was wondering like, <laughs> what, what did you want to ask him? Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about you maybe, you know, advising, you know, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. You do anyway, even mm-hmm. though it's not on a formal level. But um, I was thinking this morning since you were here that it would be really, really awesome um, to ask you. And I know we're live and we're recording this, but, you know, uh, we can't edit it for all of you live out there. But so what? Uh, you know, what What would be your advice to me and Tommy uh, as not only stewards of all the animals we have at Rowdy Girl, but now what we're finding is that we are also advocates for ranchers. Right. You know, we are we are leading a movement that that need and and I and I hesitate saying that. I don't I don't say that to brag. I say that to almost go, oh my God, how did I get here? You know, why are we uh, why are we here doing this? And and every time something happens, you know, the right answers are showing up. You're here in Austin. Right. You know, what What would you, you know, haven't heard all of this. Right. What do you advise us? I would say, you know, just trust that, that there is something larger at play here that is actually guiding all of us together. So that's the faith that comes into play. So his, his advice to me is to just trust that everything that is, is here around us, guiding us to go in the right direction. Right. Basically, you know, uh, when we have the good, in, when we have good intentions... Right, and we were doing things, and you will discover that things in the universe come together. They conspire to help you. They conspire. That's what I was talking about this morning. I said it feels like that I'm that we're some magnet here, and everything that is is being attracted to us to in order to make whatever needs to happen be magnetized into the world happen. Right. It's See, as if all these things are coming right towards us. Right. Basically, you know. If you look at it, if you you'll, you'll feel this when you go to a sanctuary, like a a, a forest sanctuary, what? Will, a forest, a forest, uh-huh. a sanctuary. I mean, if you go to a place where nature has been allowed to allowed to regenerate, right, like in Costa Rica, you, like in Costa Rica, or um, you know the place I talk about in the Western Ghats of India, you will see everything is so perfectly aligned, and everything in nature is getting the right input for it to to thrive. Right. This is the vitality code of nature. This is how Shelley Ostroff calls it. Who? Shelley Ostroff. She's a philosopher from Israel, who uh, who I'm going to be meeting in Jerusalem for the next conference. You know, basically to create the scaffolding for. In in Israel, the next conference for Vegan World 2026 is right. going to be when? In on February 27th and 28th. February 27th, I'll be 61 years old. That is my birthday party. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you can't make this up. All right. You know, basically in nature you see that there is this beautiful arrangement where the right people, right things get the right, the right input at the right time, so that they can thrive. This is how the forest thrives. Okay. Exactly. But this is how the whole ecosystem thrives. You see, we are part of that ecosystem. So this is why when you are, when you are in that mode of working for the well-being of all life, you will see the same thing happening to you. Wow. That's Thank actually you. very, very interesting advice because when you ask for advice, I was expecting like concrete, like action steps, kind of like you should do this and do that. Um, <laughs> and, and, so, and, and so, and so, I was thinking about this, but That's I funny. was like, I was like, you know what? This is actually perfect advice, like even for me, because I know that for me too, as 
all the work that I'm doing now, I, I've been like freaking out because I'm like, <laughs> like there, I, I've been put in front of so much opportunity and in so many situations that I'm like, whoa, like I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know what to pick. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to focus on. Um, you know, between doing content for say like my social media, your social media, doing this podcast, being sure documenting this, uh, talking to Alex Bez about doing projects with him. I mean, all like there's so many things happening at once, and I have like a million other ideas of things I want to execute, and I'm like, okay, okay I, I don't know, and I'm very conscious that I'm like. I should probably pick a couple things and focus on that and then move on to the next thing. I can't do everything at once. No, you can't. I'm, I'm very aware of that. Um, but at the same time, wow. I'm freaking out. But I'm like, you know, I think what you said holds very true. I'm like, I, sh- I, should, I'm like, I should probably take a step back and trust right now. Which brings me back to one of the things that I'm really trying to inject personally into the community, which is I believe that, you know, activism is about what we do. But like anything in life before what we do is who we're being. Right. And I believe that's... Yes. And I believe that's so important. And before what we do, there's who we are. And who we are being dictates what we do, which then in turn dictates what we have. Uh, there's this saying that you can find, I don't know where it comes from, but the be do have, where being is on top, it dictates what you do and it dictates what you have. Exactly. And to me, that's been so key because if I look, if, if you right now know kind of my journey and what, what I've been through in, in just in the movement and, and how I've come up, because I've been an activist for a very short period of time. I've been an activist recently, like basically since May. And if you look at what has happened to me as an activist, I mean, it's pretty insane when I look at it from my perspective. I mean, like the number of people who who look up to me and who see what I do and who are inspired by me, the number of people who have gone vegan by my work, uh, the the options, even me sitting right here is pretty insane that that, that's happened. But if I look at all all that's happened, and the reason I share this is because I know there are so many people who want to do this. And I've been meeting people like, uh, you know, I met someone at the airport the other day who, who, who just like saw me and we started talking and he wanted to become an animal rights activist too and he was like what do you think I should do and you know I could talk about the things that I did but I think more important is who I was being yep because if I think about all the opportunities that I've had it's been because for, for example one of the major drivers of what has allowed me to grow in this movement to gain people's attention is being able to be on Jane's shows Jane Velez Mitchell and she's been very uh, I'm so grateful for her to put me on many of her shows where I'm live with her all the time. Um, but really, how that started was, you know, I was at a vigil in Los Angeles and I was shooting a video with my with my camera. I was like off to the side. I was not even like amongst the crowd. I was just like out there doing my thing. Was this the one where I was at that day? I don't know. Like she's yeah. been a like this happened like many times. Yeah. But basically, what happened was she saw me shooting that and she noticed. She noticed, like the way she called it, she was like, I noticed your energy. And she came up to me. She didn't even know what I was doing, but she was like, I want to have you on my show. She didn't even (laughs) hear what I was doing. And I want to emphasize how much that was predicated on who I was being because the person I was being was committed to change. That's the whole reason I was shooting the video in the first place. The the, the place I was coming from when I was shooting the video, I was not like, I'm going to shoot the video. I was like, I'm committed to change. That's who I'm being. Therefore, I'm going to shoot the video. That's what I was being. And then she saw who I was being, and that's when she invited me to be on her show. And that's how so much of this unfolded. That's why she invited me to the conference in, in, uh, in Arizona for Vegan 2026. That's how we connected, yeah. and that's how this thing, this, this particular thing came and that's about. Why, and that's, that's now why, why and, that's, and that's now why you're spending the night with me and Tommy in a hotel room. Exactly. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. That was all because of, of, of who I was being. No, I, I, I think this is so critical. It is. And, and here's, because we're probably going to like, like, I'm saying this, and I'm like, I feel like I'm losing a lot of people here. And No, you're not. Well, and probably the people who are really going to resonate with this are really going to resonate with this. You know why you're not? I'm going to tell you why you're not for a minute. I just want you to hear me. Because I've had, 
you know, I'm 60 years old. I'll be 61. He's 22. And, you know, we are these two rowdy vegans. And I'm going to tell you, I, out of all the experience I have in yoga and meditation, uh, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, Buddhism, Taoism, Sikhism, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible, all the teachings I've learned, it's all about being. It's all about getting quiet. You know, I may have a loud mouth and, and you know, people may not realize it, but I do actually love to be silent. And, and quiet, not even open my mouth. Even Me for, too. Me for, too. for 10 days in a row I've done this more, multiple times. Uh, just be silent because it's in that silence. It's in that place between our thoughts. Satara. It's in that place between our thoughts that is true. That's the truth. Everything else, you can't trust. I mean, honestly, to me, this is what I've learned. Everything between our thoughts, if we're really listening... I mean, really, and if we hear, we will act on our beingness. We will be who we need to be so that we can execute the truth, you know? Yeah, and I think this is so key. One of my mentors, he used to come from a place where, you know, because he studied a lot of different things. I also try to study a lot of different things. I think it's very critical for us to educate ourselves in many different fields. And part of where he came from is he studied a lot of, like you said, Eastern philosophy, and it's all about being mindfulness, meditation, he was all into that. I'm super into that as yeah. well. But on the other side, he also studied hardcore business people who were just hardcore taking actions, creating results in the world and stuff like that. And he was always in the middle of that. And I thought that was so interesting because, I mean, I'd never seen something like this, but that's really where I come from as well because, you know, like, I think being is so critical. I think it's absolutely at the center of everything. Everything that I've accomplished, everything I'm doing, even the, like, think about this. Let's go meta for a second. If you're listening to this podcast right now, the reason you're listening to this podcast is perhaps you're getting a lot of information. You're learning a lot. You're being inspired. You're getting some sort of tangible value from it. But it's also because of who we're being. You enjoy who we're being. Imagine we were delivering this, but we were being very negative or we were not being engaging. Uh, you, you know, because this, I mean, I mean, to me, I put a lot of conscious effort into this. I know you've been a performer for, many, for, for a long time where it's like, I'm not just here like, you know, like saying all this information. I'm, I'm focusing on who I'm being. I'm, yeah. like, I'm committed right now. Exactly. I'm going to deliver this. Like, I, like, you know, I'm just exactly. really, I'm really focused in on this. And that's probably why you're listening to this right now. Because let me tell you, they, to speak to this, hmm. to speak to this, when I was a performer, I had a school. It was Renee King's School of Performing Stars. And I created this curriculum because I had teacher, these, these kids and their families wanting to know how to be a dynamic performer. How do you, how do you do that? So there's people that can sing. Yes, singing in the... Wow! Who gives a shit? Okay, so there's people that can sing, and they may be really good, but if they cannot project who they are, their beingness, if they can't be who they really are with that song, with that piece, whatever it is they're delivering, then they fall flat. It's like, who are you? So, so I developed a program called Become the Star You Know You Are. Hmm. That was the program. Become the star. You already are. We all are made of stardust. We're already supposed to shine. Why do we let people around us squash our light? We need to shine now more than ever in this critical age of where we are, we're at. We need to shine and be who we are. Execute powerfully who we are. So I developed these exercises because people didn't know how to do this. So what they, they look like were, were things that resembled uh, uh, elements in nature, like a tornado. Imagine how a tornado starts 
way in the in the clouds and it just whirls and 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 it comes through and it hits the ground and it bounces up and it just so I would I imagine and I had this exercise and I have it all on paper how this tornado you imagine when you're on stage that there's this tornado coming at you and it's coming right through the top of your head and it's whirling through you taking all the negativity out through the ground and bouncing all the positive back up and you're just like yes that is the tornado well how did I just do that? Because I executed that exercise. Okay? So if you're executing that exercise, you're being the tornado, then whatever it is you're trying to execute actually has that power. Just like a hurricane would. We had an exercise on the hurricane. We had an exercise on projecting from the back of your head. Like being a projector. So like when you go to a movie, you actually are seeing a movie. But what you're really seeing is whatever they're projecting on the screen back there onto the the screen itself right? right so i had this exercise where we were being the projector so you're not looking out here at who's watching like i don't really give a shit if people hate me you know that i really don't give a shit and so that's the reason why i don't is because it's not important what's important is that i'm delivering the projection you know out there everybody's going to see it people that love me people that hate me people that whatever but i'm going to project who i am whether you know i listen to good advice like i listen to jane i listen to kip i listen to my husband i listen to you well i listen to tommy sometimes but i listen to you know but anyway you got my point right it's about being <laughs> the projector not the screen you know we can't be the screen we got to be the projector because what if the screen gets a rip in it or a tear we got to project somewhere else and we certainly can't worry about people out there that are watching we can't worry about that. We gotta be who we are because the right people are gonna show up. Yes, absolutely. Wow, that, was, that, that took an unexpected turn, but I, but I, really, <laughs> but I really think I, it's, it's actually it's actually very very important. Yeah. Because if you look at everything that you have accomplished, what I've accomplished, what you've accomplished, for me at least, I completely see it as a product of who we were being. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, like turning a cattle ranch into a vegan sanctuary. Even Kip asked you that question. He was like, what kind of person does this? Who were you being that you were able to make that happen? And like you said, you even answered this the other day. You were talking about someone asked you about how you fundraised for that. And you were like, and you gave this answer where probably someone was looking for a step-by-step -step of how to fund a project yeah. like that. But it's much deeper than that. Yeah. It's about who you were being. And this is not to discount action. Of course, you took massive action. You took massive, massive action to make that happen. But that was a product of who you were being more than being like, oh, you know what? Like, what should I do now? I should do this, this, and that, yeah. and then execute on that. It was more like, okay, this is who I am. Let's go execute. Um, and that's exactly how I think about everything I do as well. So, yeah, I just think it's so important. Well, you know, thank you for bringing that up because, you know, yeah, when Kip asked me that day a few years ago, um, I was, I, I think I'd met him. This was the second time I'd met him, and he was on our board at the time, and we were having a vegan lunch somewhere and it was very quiet and um, he was counseling me he's a, he's a very wise wise man for his years so Kip was asking me uh, you know some very important questions about you know what what kind of person transforms a tradition a cataract mm -hmm. what kind of person can stand up to that and stay true to that mission and actually follow through with it. Who does that? What kind of person is that? And I thought he was wanting to just know my story on how, I said, you mean like, you know, how did this happen between me and Tommy? And you know, how did I get him to go vegan? Or what is it you wanting to know? He said, no, no, no. I wanna know who you are. Who are you? 
I want you to tell that story. I want to read that book. And when you write that book, I want rights to the film. I'm like, oh, who I am. Uh, he says, where does your story start, Renee? I said, well, you really want to know. Do you know where my story starts? Yeah. You do? <laughs> no, no. Did I'm, I tell you? I mean, I know your background, yeah. Do you? Singer. You really do, huh? You think you know? I don't know. No, you don't know. Yeah. He don't know. <laughs> he does now. But my story starts in a graveyard. Oh, wow. You didn't tell me that. No, I didn't tell you that. No. Because I, you know, but I, I, I do tell some people this. Uh, and it's, uh, it, you know, it's one of those stories that when you, when you have a story to tell, sometimes you, you don't want to tell some of these stories because... You know, uh, you know when you when when you tell some of these stories, you're like, God, that was really that really happened. You know, my mother, my mother, truly. Mm. Now, you know, uh, if I tell you this, you got to promise not to tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. So imagine for a minute. Okay, I'm being the projector. Okay. So this is not really happening to me. Okay, because what I know now. You know, I know what I know now as a 60, almost one-year-old adult is all of that stuff, all these stories we make up, they're all stories. It's not really, that, even, that isn't even who we are. We are spirit. We are divine energy. Beings. We're beings. Hello? We're beings. Just like the animals. So if I'm going to project to you for a minute, I can do this. I can tell you that piece of my story that I showed up in this life as Renee because uh, I'm not going to be attached to it. Are you ready for this? I've never told anybody this. Okay, stay tuned for part two tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, you know, so, <laughs> so, so my mother, uh, 15 years old, my daddy was 29. And it, the long story short is my daddy knew my family my mother's family when she was a little child. He knew her when she was a kid. He saw her when she was 15 and was like, whoa, that woman has some curves. And my dad took my mother to a graveyard, a place where his former wife was buried. His former wife was buried because she had committed suicide. Just a couple of months prior there was still dead flowers on the grave and I was able to interview my mother about this and I'm you know why I'm telling y'all this because see I've got to write this book y'all I, I do and I and I spend all this I spend all I don't even want to call it time because I don't use that word but I spend all this energy doing so many other things trying to help so many people that I, I can't even sit down and focus enough to write this book but my mother my, this man, that my, my dad, took my mother to this graveyard, and um, yeah, he raped my mother. And uh, he raped her. She was 15, he was 29. Now, he did it, uh, you know, it was rape. And I was conceived, okay? So, I am a product of date rape. So, that's a story, right? That is a true story. So, the being Renee in this life right now actually was conceived out of date rape. So, 
wow, what if my mother would have aborted my ass? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I know, right? So, but see, this happened. I've already done so much work on this in therapy. See, I'm not, I'm not affected like I was once was. Mm -hmm. So I'm now able to tell the story because there may be somebody out there and maybe you needed to hear this. I know one thing. I probably would have never even told you had you not even said, reminded me what Kip said to me. And, um, you know, and interest, it's interesting, the somberness around me right now. I'm, um, I'm, I, cause I know it's probably like, what? Do what? You know, uh, you know, that's just crazy. Isn't it? Well, my mother, you know, you want to go a step further? My mother married him. Hmm. So my mother married him and she never loved my dad. Um, she did it because she didn't know what else to do. She wanted to get out of her house because of the sexual abuse happening at home. So, these are stories. And it's the truth. But these are the kind of stories, like you were talking about climate change. You were talking about all the horrible things happening to our planet. All the devastation happen happening to our planet. So what if shit happens to you? Who gives a sh Now, I really do care. But what I'm saying is, this stuff really happened to me. I could have gone one or two different ways. I could have gone down the path of destruction, alcoholism, drug abuse. Uh, I could have become a killer. Who knows? But what did I do? I transformed. It's all about, it's all about taking this stuff and, and using what is so apparently destructive as something that is absolutely brilliant and saving positive. grace. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah. Positive. It's positive. positive. Yeah, and so... We can always do this. We can always take our life and we can always spin it in a different direction. Do we want to? Or do we want to or do we want to stay seeped in the misery? Right. See, cuz so many people stay buried in the mire of misery. They stay buried in the mire of diseases like alcoholism, which, you know, I'm sober and, you know, and I know Jane talks about it boldly. I talk about it semi-boldly because I am sober. I'm totally sober. You know, I don't need anything to feel good. Uh, it's it's an it's an automatic, but you know we can go down those roads to where we just totally uh, need something to change the way we feel because we've been so abused in our life. I don't have to do that anymore, you know. I don't have to do that. I I want to change this world by being the person I was created to be in this life. I know that there's a reason that we're all here together at this time, and I know that all of you out there. Are listening to this right now at this time for a purpose and there's a reason vegan world 2026 maybe you want to help you know the rancher advocacy program uh, you know we, we we've got to get we've got to get lights to ra two rowdy vegans uh, we got to get lights we got to get a drone uh, we we really do need a plane I believe and we <laughs> Like we wake up this morning, Renee's like, we need a plane. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? Oh, we need a plane, you know, and he says, he says, do you mean a drone? I'm like, yeah, we need that too, you know, because we do, you know, and so because we're willing to be, be in that capacity. We're willing to show up in Arkansas tomorrow or tonight. We're willing to, uh, to show up wherever we need to, to be the, whatever we need to be to make the change necessary to hopefully Get to that vegan world by 2026, right. Salish. Yeah. See, you will get whatever you need at the right time. Okay, you will get it. You always will. Because you have that energy and you have that uh, motivation. You have that compassion driving you. Okay. And you know, you're just, you are, you are, um, 
saying out loud what I know deep inside. Right. What I feel all the time. Right. And what my husband's always amazed at. You know, when in the, at the moment of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary's final... In fact, Tommy, you ought to be over here telling him about this. He's over there metal detecting. Uh, no, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, Tommy never believed in a million years that we would do this. He never thought that I would be able to buy the cows, you know. And he all he will, he will tell you in a heartbeat, if I knew then what I know now, I'd have give her the damn cows. Because, you know, me buying them cows caused all kind of issues out there in vegan land because I didn't know that buying cows, you know, according to vegans, was you know, wrong. I didn't care. I just didn't want the cows to die and go to slaughter. You know, there's always a gray area, guys. Jeez. And so, and so I didn't know. But what happened is I ended up raising the money that Tommy never thought I'd raise. And in the process, Kip Anderson, you know, gets involved. And the next thing you know, he's at our house. And Tommy's going vegan. Oh, what? This happens, you know? And now my husband says, okay, well, I didn't think that would happen. That happened. Uh, we're a nonprofit, Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. And then I started talking about the Rancher's Advocacy Program. Because he was like... You know, because ranchers were contacting me, mm. families, wives, ranchers themselves, daughters. I was being contacted over and over and over just because people wanted to talk to me that couldn't talk to anybody else, much like an alcoholic talking to another alcoholic in recovery. There's ranchers and their families out there, believe it or not, that really don't like killing their animals. They're out there, a lot of them. And they needed to be able to talk to somebody, and I was it. Kind of like the way I showed up when I called Howard Lyman. I didn't know who to talk to. Howard Lyman finally answers the phone and talks to me. Well, you know, this crazy rancher's wife gone vegan. And, uh, and so I talked to Howard, and now ranchers' families were contacting me. So the ranchers' advocacy program, I told my husband one day, I said, I'm, I, I'm also a rancher's advocate. You know, I, I've got to, I got to help these people. We need a program. You know, because I was talking to somebody else that was telling us, you know, you need a program. That's our program. Rancher's advocacy. He said, you lost your mind, Renee. I said, yeah, I already told you that. You know, I told you that when I went vegan. So, yeah, I lost that mind, so we got this new one, right? <laughs> and so we're going to help ranchers change because it's time to rescue ranches, seriously. Right. Wow, that was incredible. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up around here. We talked about so many things. Um, that was really incredible. Is there anything that you want to add or you want to ask? Uh, Silesh, or is there anything that you want to add before we cap this off? No, it's great. It's been a great program. I love the energy you bring to this to this whole movement, you know. Thank and, you so much. Yeah. Really it's, it's it. important. It's important to show people that this is, not only is it going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to be joyful for all of us. Oh, 100%. You know, we have to I bring that, that joy, don't we? Exactly. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Where? Down, down in I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Two. Oh, two? Two. I don't know the song. Who are we? Two. Two. Rowdy. Who are we? Vegan. Two, two. Two rowdy vegans. 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 Two. Two rowdy vegans. One plus one equals two rowdy vegans. Two, two.